Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Believe in Tiger Woods on the Believe Podcast Network. And now, here's your host, Cam Rogers. The Tiger Woods Podcast, episode 24 Right here on Believe, the number one podcast network for professionals. Cam Rogers coming at you. Hit me up on Twitter at MrRogers99 and on the gram at MrRogers98. I'm back on that interview grind. On this show, we have Dr. Jonathan Gelber, author of the soon-to-be-released book, Tiger Woods is Back and Tommy John's Elbow. Injuries and Tragedies that Transformed Careers, Sports, and Society. We all know about Tiger's back injury history, but Jonathan provides some really great insight into Tiger and what exactly he's dealing with every single day. Jonathan's book is set to release October 1st. Get a glimpse into what you can expect by jamming out to my interview with him. So without any more of my blabbing... Let's get to my conversation with Dr. Jonathan Gelber. Dr. Jonathan Gelber, welcome to the show, sir. I do appreciate the time. Thanks, Cam. I appreciate you having me on. Such an interesting book here, and I do want to start with the why. What was the motivation behind writing this book? So the motivation was I wanted to tell sports stories, but I wanted to tell them in a way that hasn't been done before. And I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell and the way he looks at a topic and he actually sort of spins it on on its head. Oftentimes he'll refer to the David and Goliath story as an inspiration that he had for one of his books where David, we all know the story, slew Goliath. Mm. But what if there was something we didn't know? What if Goliath couldn't see? What if we go back and we look at the evidence and there is some evidence that Goliath couldn't see? And that's why David was able to defeat him. So you have a story that we're all familiar with. And many of these sports stories in my book are stories we're familiar with, but maybe we don't know the whole story. And that's why I started to delve into these stories because just telling stories of how people got injured, how they got back, I mean, that's done every day in the, in the news, in, in the you know, athletic training room. This is common knowledge stuff. So I wanted to do something different. I really wanted to delve in deeper and see, okay, someone got hurt, someone had a tragedy, someone died, but what did that mean for their career? What did that mean for the sport itself? And what did that mean for society as a whole? And as I found out through my research, a lot of these stories have had some far-reaching impacts on society. Yeah, especially Tiger Woods' story as well. We'll get to him later in this conversation, Jonathan. But I do want to just get to the basis of your book. And it's called The Cobra Effect, The Unintended Consequences That Come From Medical Decisions. Can you expand upon that and how it kind of bleeds into sports? Sure. So the title itself is From Tiger Woods' Back to Tommy John's Elbow. Injuries and tragedies that transform career sports and society. And so in that, we discuss the cobra effect. So that's actually how the book starts out, the cobra effect. So this mm. is not coming right into the sports story, but we're talking about something in Imperial India. So the cobra effect is basically a way of describing 
when unintended consequences result in almost the opposite of what you had originally intended. So the cobra effect goes back to a time in Imperial India when there were venomous snakes, especially cobras, throughout the villages. They were quite a nuisance and they decided they needed a way to get rid of these cobras. So what they did is they put a bounty on the cobra skin. So the more skins you brought, the more money you made. And soon basketfuls of skins were being delivered for the bounty. But pretty soon people began to realize there was no dent in the snake population. We have bounties and bounties of skins and presumably dead snakes, but the population hasn't been changed. And so after some careful investigation, it was found that there was actually farms of cobras. So many of these village folk were actually farming the cobras, raising them to kill them, to turn in their skins for the bounty. So once this was discovered, obviously the bounty program was canceled. And so in response with the farmers who had all these snakes, they didn't have anywhere to sell them. They just released them back into the wild. So all of a sudden now, instead of decreasing the snake population, you've actually increased it. Hmm. So you have an unintended and opposite reaction to what you were initially trying to do a well-meaning idea and that's what a lot of these stories are they're well-meaning ideas they're reactions to things in sports to injuries or tragedies that often had unintended consequences and some of them were actually opposite than we had intended but certainly many of them are far-reaching and so that's where the theme or the idea of the cobra effect came into play and that's why i include a story about a different cobra effect that wasn't in sports to start off each chapter, and then I mirror that with a sports story so they can see all the nuances of the Cobra effect. Really interesting. Let's talk about the Tommy John surgery, obviously a big topic in this book. And, you know, this is astounding, but the 15 to 19-year-old demographic has the highest amount of Tommy John surgeries. Can you give us some background in terms of why exactly that is and how did we get here? Sure, and that's a shocking statistic to most anybody other than an orthopedic surgeon, which is sort of a sad state of affairs. <laughs> uh, but we, we've seen and known this for quite a while. And, you know, it's, it's almost, it certainly can be described as an epidemic, and it's almost a lack of education. And this is, this is what I mean when I say that. So we all know that Tommy John had his surgery, and he had a great and successful career following that. And so we know the surgery is relatively successful in getting athletes back. But the actual reason for doing the surgery, some people don't fully understand it. In fact, there's been some studies done, and about 50% of high school players, coaches, even members of the Major League Baseball media didn't understand they actually needed an injury to have this surgery. They saw it as some sort of performance enhancement, and that's completely false. So there's already a misinformation about what the Tommy John surgery does. And there's some speculation that actually makes you better if you have it. A lot of the research says that's not true. There's one study out there that shows there is some improvements in things such as ERA, but a lot of that depends on the players behind you. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. And so we're in this time where there's something called early sports specialization. So you have players playing year round. And by doing that, they're actually putting themselves at significant risk of having these elbow injuries. But for a lot of people, it's just easier to go see the doc and get this performance enhancing Tommy John surgery than it is to take time off or cross train. And so that's right. really why we are in this epidemic is because of the misinformation 
about this surgery. And the fact that we have this surgery, it's almost like a crutch for people to fall back on. And that's really not what it's intended for. Let's try to talk about solutions here, because it seems to me there's a holistic angle to all of this to avoid, I guess, the rash decision per se to have this type of surgery. Would you say that's correct outside of, of course, you know, just not playing as much? Yeah, I mean, certainly the surgery itself, some people come back, but there's a certain population that doesn't. And so just because the surgery is available doesn't mean that you can get hurt, have the surgery, and then go on with your career, especially if you're a 15 to 19-year-old. You know, most college scouts don't want a player who's already had a surgery. You know, and once you've had one surgery, you're at a higher risk of having another surgery. So it's not something that should be taken lightly. And there are these things, like you said, not playing as much. I mean, it seems simple. It seems like it's common sense. But in this day and age where there's so much pressure to play year-round, mm. athletes and parents and coaches don't stop to realize that they're actually harming their child by not giving them enough time off. And certainly, if you're an athlete, you're an athlete and you can play all sports. And that's why I really recommend, and the research has shown, that you should take at least three to four months off every year from baseball. You can play other sports. I mean, if you're an athlete, you should be cross-training. You should be playing other sports. You just shouldn't be playing baseball year-round. All right, let's get into what Tiger Nation is waiting for here. Tiger Woods. Now, we know he has suffered through a lot of bad injuries, Achilles, ACL, and, of course, the back. But I do want to start from a macro perspective here, and that's just the golf swing in general. And from what I understand, it's not a normal human motion. Bodies aren't meant to perform the golf swing. And when you do it day in and day out as a professional in particular, it can put a lot of stress on you. So I do want to ask you, Jonathan, if the golf swing is really not meant for us, and I want to get your confirmation on that. And if that is true, what can we do to kind of prevent these type of injuries, these back injuries that, of course, Tiger Woods has suffered so many times? Well, I mean, certainly we weren't built to swing a golf club that's not what biology and evolution had in mind uh, what makes the golf swing particularly injurious is is a repetitive movement so any sort of repetitive movement where you're doing the same thing over and over again especially towards one side that's where you end up with these injuries and for people like tiger woods they have a very violent swing mm. and so for him he generates all that power. And because it's a violent motion, it generates power. But at the same time, it leads to wear and tear. And that's what happened with his back. You have other guys who are more technical, who aren't so violent. And those are the guys who can have longer careers because they're just not putting their body through so much pain. And with someone like Tiger, it's such a high level that even if you know he loses a few degrees in his swing, that for you or me, that might not matter. But for someone like him, that really does matter because every degree that your body can turn, it's like a catapult cranking farther back. The farther back you go, the more power you create. And that's what happens with the golf swing. But as you start to lose that ability to turn, you start to lose that ability to generate power and momentum and your golf swing suffers because of it. 
you know, it was a really interesting season for Tiger Woods. I think that's the best way to put it. Of course, he starts off with a bang in April, wins the Masters, and we're all elated. And then he just kind of fell off after that, missed some cuts, had one top 10. The rest of the campaign had some stiffness in his back and all of this. What exactly is Tiger Woods dealing with right now, having gone through so many back surgeries? He talks about how sometimes he can wake up, feel fine. Sometimes he can wake up, feel stiff. It's very on and off, and it seems like Tiger is somewhat accepting that. Is that what Tiger fans are going to have to deal with going forward? Is this element of unknown whether he's going to be healthy because of his injury history? Yeah, I think that's exactly correct. You know, this is a story that's been playing on since 2013. So if you follow his back history, so 2013 in August, it was on the second shot of the 13th hole. Uh, he hit a ball, clearly went off to the side, and immediately dropped to his knees in pain. Yeah. So that, that was really the start of the story. You know, he actually finished that round. He, you know, started to get a little better, but then again in 2014, started to collapse again. Um, he ended up missing the Torrey Pines. He was tied for 41st at the Dubai Classic. And so by that point, he just couldn't continue anymore. So he underwent two microdiscectomies, which is where we take away the disc. That's sort of a, it's sort of a soft jelly cushion that sits between the bones because when it bulges, if it bulges far enough to hit a nerve, you have a problem. Well, every time you go and you take more of that disc out, eventually you run out of disc. So now you have bones that are basically right on top of each other. So that's where his third surgery, the fusion, came in. Because eventually you run out of disc and you have to fuse the bones together. And so, as I mentioned before, you need to create turning. You need degrees of motion. Well, if you fuse bones together, you're going to lose that. And not only do you lose that motion, the areas above and below that got fused, they start to see a stress. So the more he's doing, the more he's stressing his back. And what's particularly troublesome about the back is his other things like his Achilles injuries, his knees and knee injuries. He was able to grimace through the pain to complete the swing, get the ball off the tee or down the fairway, and then deal with the pain. Right. And that's how he got through all of his other injuries. With the back, you can't even start. If you've lost those degrees, if your back is seized up, you can't perform the swing, so you're dead in the water before you start, unlike those other injuries where you can power through them because as long as you get through the swing, get that ball sailing down the fairway, you can deal with the pain after. But for him, it was the back, and he just couldn't start because his back was in such pain and would seize up, and you can't swing a golf club that way. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Tiger performs here in the 2020 campaign. And I do want to ask you kind of a hypothetical question here. If you were sitting next to Tiger Woods, kind of planning out his schedule for next season, what exactly would you advise to him so that he plays every tournament 100% healthy or at least close to rather than, you know, playing maybe 25 tournaments and being at 75%. What exactly would you say to Tiger from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's got to pick and choose, you know, the most important majors. You know, we, we saw that with the Masters. I mean, he, he can perform at this point, I think, if he's given adequate rest, but he can't pretend that he's 25 anymore. You know, his back is not that same back. And so it's going to run out of fuel 
And so he, he can pick and choose. I really think that's the only way he can do this is to continue forward and to play the tournaments that matter for the majors because he's not going to be able to do nearly as many tournaments and he's going to need adequate rest between those. So we're going to see a lot less of Tiger if he's smart, but he's going to make those tournaments count when he does play. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that was a big debate throughout the summer here on the PGA Tour. Should Tiger play more? Should Tiger play less? People were worried because he was resting and he'd be rusty and there's that give and take there, but it sounds like you're definitely within the camp that rest is better than playing more, especially at this stage of Tiger's career. So we'll see what happens going forward for him. I do want to get a little reflective since we did mention the Masters and considering all that you have said, Jonathan, the microdisectomies, the fuse back, blah, blah, blah. Going out there at Augusta National against one of the best fields on the PGA Tour and hoisting yet another green jacket, what was your reaction when you saw that go down? So I was, I was rather shocked, to be honest, because yeah. I, was, I was writing the book while this is happening. <laughs> and so I had to change the ending to my story because I had him ranked, you know, 100 and something in the first draft of the book. And so all of a sudden I had to change that because he won the Masters. So it was frankly shocking because that was not the original story that I was going to tell. And we'll see what happens for Tiger coming up here in 2020 on the PGA Tour. Jonathan Gelber, author of Tiger Woods is Back and Tommy John's Elbow, Injuries and Tragedies that Transformed Careers, Sports, and Society. Really interesting book, really interesting conversation. Book is set to release, guys, on October 1st, available wherever books are sold. Jonathan, really appreciate you jumping on the Tiger Woods podcast and certainly stay in touch and all the best to you, sir. Thank you. Happy to come back anytime, Cam. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.